it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. And you better buckle up because we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not being implicated in a bribery scheme. Check it out. A whistleblower coming forward to say Joe Biden as vice president was getting illegal kickbacks to influence government policy. He should be behind bars. We don't know that to be true, but we are going to dive headfirst right into the accusation, uh, right into the document that the House Oversight Committee is trying to get from the FBI as we speak. Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. Very well may be. Uh, We're also going to have a chit chat with Dana Perino, the bell of the cable news ball. She stops by to talk about the 2024 election where Ron DeSantis has just secured the number one state ranking for education in the entire United States of America. This, of course, comes at a time when most schools, in liberal cities especially, are failing. I love the poorly educated. I don't doubt it. 888-788-9910, the phone number if you want to be a part of a big Thursday episode. Uh, Same rules today. Apply every day. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. We don't care, man. Just behave. Remember in Pulp Fiction... (laughs) <laughs> when Samuel L. Jackson's like, tell her, be cool, but that whole thing. That's all we need you to do is be cool. Be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a There it is again. Happy, happy Thursday. Uh, big night on Failavision. I'm going to be on with Jesse Waters at 7 o'clock Eastern time on the Fox News channel. And then at 11, we get the band back together with our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld, the king of late night, the only late night show on the air right now because there's a writer strike going on out in Hollywood. And the amazing thing is if you're watching Colbert, if you're watching Jimmy Fallon, if you're watching Jimmy Kimmel, despite the fact that they're not even airing episodes, you'll have the same amount of opportunities to laugh tonight as you would if they were actually on the air. That's true. That is true. Late night comedy has failed this country because it's no longer providing us with common culture. Now, listen, I don't have a late night show. I'm not about to get a late night show. But heaven forbid I ever do just look out world. It would be so good for the country if somebody could actually get up there and have the capability, okay, the dynamic talent to find funny in everything as opposed to just one political angle that'll make one side of the country laugh. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Seriously, when you look out at the the late night comedy landscape, it's not being plagued by too much activism, and to be clear, it is being plagued by too much activism, 100%. But the bigger problem is the lack of talent that's on the airwaves. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. But we begin today, not with the late-night culture war, <laughs> which I could talk about for hours on end. I'm, I'm fired up right now. I, you have no idea what's going on. It's a lot of I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. <laughs> but I'm not actually mad. I'm in a good mood. I'm just peppy. I'm a married guy. I got a kid. I don't get out a lot. I talk on the radio. I go on TV. I do stand-up shows. So if you give me like a, you know, a little drop of iced coffee, I get caffeinated. I'm a passionate man. I'm ready to rumble. And uh, today the rumble actually centers around the White House. Now, 
a fun fact about Joe Biden is that prior to being your president, he had run for president uh, four previous times. I don't remember that ever happening. The most recent time before this one was in 2008 when he ran against Barack Obama. And uh, he didn't come anywhere close to securing the nomination, but he was ultimately chosen as Obama's vice president, where he did serve for eight years. I don't remember that ever happening. But again, it did. So what's happening now, and this has been a part of a larger conversation that up until now has centered around his son, Hunter. Hunter's a dirtbag. Okay, is a whistleblower has come forward claiming the DOJ... And the FBI possess a file that describes an alleged criminal scheme involving then-President Biden and a foreign national. This could be a problem. Big problem. Because the allegation here, and again, I'm a responsible broadcaster. We don't know this is true. We just want to get to the bottom of it because if the president's compromised, we're all compromised. Correct the mundo. Okay, but understand... Okay, according to Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, this document comes from a credible and unclassified whistleblower disclosures of possible criminal activity when Biden was vice president. And according to a press release from James Comer's office, he is, of course, the chair of the House Oversight Committee, Grassley said he believes the FBI possesses an unclassified internal document that includes very serious and detailed allegations implicating the current president of the United States. Come on, man. Wow. House Oversight Committee chairman now issued a congressional subpoena to try and obtain the specific FBI document. So what you need to know here, just to give you a 20,000 foot view of the story, is Joe Biden, and at least the allegation against Joe Biden, a whistleblower has come forward, a whistleblower with the highest security clearance in our government, to say, hey, by the way, the FBI and the DOJ had found a credible allegation that the vice president was involved in a kickback scheme. Now, did it prove to be credible? I don't have an answer to that. But it's like a very serious allegation, given the security clearance, given the status of the whistleblower, and the fact that it overlaps with the reality that when Joe Biden was vice president, his family was flagged 150 times for suspicious activity in banking, meaning there were 150 different occasions where Barack Obama's Treasury Department flagged its own vice president, saying, hey, where the hell's all this money coming from? What's up with all these foreign nationals? And were they sending the money directly to Biden? No, they were sending the money to countless members of his family. At least eight members of the Biden family got paid from foreign nationals. Now, the reason this gets interesting is were any of these members of the Biden family actively working in the fields of business where the money came from? The answer would be no. So it very much reads like they had become filters, go-between, clearing houses for industries that were negotiating with our government, for foreign entities that were negotiating with our government to funnel money to a key man in the decision-making process, pay for play, bribery. That's the allegation here. Now, understand, it takes on a lot of life because of what we now know about the Hunter Biden story. Hunter Biden, in the run-up to the 2020 election, was protected. He was protected how? By big tech oligarchs, places like Facebook and Twitter, 
okay, big news networks, NBC, places like you know MSNBC, CNN. CNN is the worst. Maybe. But all of these places killed the Hunter Biden laptop story. They said, well, it wasn't real. It's not real. It's Russian disinformation. We now know our current Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, who at the time was one of the managers of Biden's campaign, according to the then director of the CIA, Mike Morrell, Mike Morrell said Blinken came to him as a member of the Biden campaign and said, hey, can you coordinate a letter from members of our intelligence committee saying that Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation? And that's what they did. Behind closed doors, they crafted a letter from the intelligence community to label this Russian disinformation so they could make the story go away. This is politics as usual. That letter was the justification for news outlets to not cover the story. Hey, you know, we'd love to cover this, but uh, as it turns out, it's just Russian disinformation that is being spread by the (laughs) church. No, it's not, because the minute the election was over, understand, every outlet... Every outlet that had the ability to verify the, le- the legitimacy of this laptop in the run-up to the election did exactly that after the fact. The Washington Post, who wouldn't run a story on the Hunter Biden laptop. The New York Times, who wouldn't run a story on the Hunter Biden laptop. Waited a few months after the election was over and was like, oh, yeah, as it turns out, we looked into it and it was true. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Now, here's where it really does get dicey and precarious for our country. Okay, if they're lying about whether or not the laptop is real, that means they're lying about whether or not the business deals are real. Bingo. Joe Biden, on multiple occasions, we've played it a thousand times on this show, has told us he never once talked to his son or his business partners about his business. You're a liar. And we know it's a liar because now we've now seen photos of Biden meeting with Hunter's business partners. We've now seen emails saying, hey, thanks for bringing your dad out today. We've now seen emails where prospective business partners are instructed by Hunter's handlers to arrange a meeting, even if it's in a group setting where these people can have access to Biden. We understand he's, you know, a little nervous about meeting with people one on one. But can you invite us to like a big luncheon and that way they can get their photo op and talk to him that way? And through emails that have been unearthed by FOIA requests, emails that have been unearthed by the investigation into Hunter Biden, we now know that Joe Biden, who steadfastly denied he ever knew a thing about Hunter's business, which is laughable, okay, was lying when he said he didn't know about it and he didn't meet with people, which means if he's lying about whether the laptop's real, which means if he's lying about whether or not he ever met with the business partners, which means he's lying if he says he didn't know how much money was coming in. It means when he comes out and issues a denial about this bribery scheme, odds are he's probably lying about that too. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. A great eye. All I go on on this show, not very wonky. No one's going to copy off me on a test, okay? I know nothing. Not an academic show. It would put you to bed. You'd be bored. You know, there's two types of radio shows these days. Three, really, if you count this one. There's the academic show where they're smart and well-read and they get on the air every day and just name procedures and bills and types of votes and recess appointments and things that bore you to death. Then there's the fire and brimstone guys that get you mad. You know, that whole thing. And then there's like this, which is like pretty informative, wildly entertaining. And it leaves you with the feeling that you too could host a nationally syndicated talk show because let's be honest. 
it's not that much talent on this side of the microphone. <laughs> you probably listen to this and you're like, wow, <laughs> if this guy could do it, we could train an ape to host one of these shows. But I get by on human instinct. Okay, I drove a taxi for a long time. So much of the decisions you make, the critical decisions you make, the life-altering decisions you make are based on nothing more than understanding of human nature and good instinct. And I can tell you this. When a guy lies to you about one thing, he's lying to you about everything. But in this case, Joe Biden has lied to us about 100 things. Here is Chuck Grassley talking about the criminal activity. Clip one. We have credible information that this uh, possible uh, criminal activity took place. uh, And I can't verify whether or not it's really uh, criminal activity. But I do have uh, faith in the whistleblowers that bring it to me that this document exists. We have a rough idea of what's in the document. And uh, I just want to do what congressional oversight uh, responsibilities I have to see what the FBI's and the DOJ's done to follow up on it. Okay, so understand, this is a responsible, this is not a man, like we definitely know it's true. Like you understand the Russia probe lit the country on fire. They knew at the beginning of the Russia probe that he hadn't colluded in Russia because it was all based on opposition research bought and paid for by the Clinton campaign. But they were still willing to make that accusation undermine a presidency and divide the country all in the name of cheap political gain. That's just how white folks will do you. In this instance, if you noticed, Chuck Grassley is not leading with the sensationalism. He's saying, hey, we want to go through the proper protocol, see this document, and get to the bottom of this complaint because if he's compromised, we're all compromised. You understand the old adage, when you have the facts, pound the facts, when you have nothing, pound the table. Democrats pound the table with emotional rhetoric all the time. A measured approach like the one Grassley and James Coma are taking is the approach of a team very much, very much armed with the facts. Okay, as to the facts you and I know at this exact moment before we see this document, Okay, we know Joe Biden lied about meeting with his son's business partners. We know Joe Biden lied about talking to his son about his business. We know Joe Biden lied, 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 lied when he said Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation because, as it turns out, his campaign drafted the letter. Oh, wow. So in this moment, it's very hard to give Joe Biden that benefit of the doubt because I can tell you this again. Okay, as a guy who relies on instinct, if they were lying Monday, they're not telling the truth on Tuesday. Okay, we've now made it all the way to Thursday. They've lied to us every day this week. Don't expect the pattern to change anytime soon. Girls and Biden to bed early because he's really old and he's senile. He makes up so much crap, the country's worried. He's lying like it's going out of style. You can't hide Joe Biden's lies For a while they made Saki try I thought by now they'd realize 
You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing a damn thing at 888-788-9910. Having a grown-up conversation today. Dana Perino is going to be in the house. Laura Engel, Fox News reporter, going to join us as well. You, of course, also welcome. But right now, we make a little room inside the huddle for Byron Donalds, who was on with Laura Ingram last night and kind of framed the whole Biden story, in essence, around the guise of influence peddling, which is exactly what's going on. Hunter Biden, with no background in any of the industries he happens to be pulling money from, was making tens of millions of dollars. That can't be good. It can't be good because there's no reason to be giving him that money unless there's something going on. Bingo. Here's Donald's outlining the whole thing, clip eight. They've made their money on political grift. You have the brother, you have the son. They're on Air Force Two, running around the globe, meeting with foreign leaders. Then all of a sudden, these other countries and the things that will help them actually increase their power economically are starting to happen in the the United States. Give me a break. The congressional salary is pretty good, but it's not a millionaire salary. It's not a billionaire salary, but they got houses all over the country. Hunter Biden doesn't have any actual economic credentials. Jim Biden has no economic credentials. Joe Biden's been a senator and a vice president. Everybody can see exactly what's happening here, but the political left and the big media don't care because it's about the agenda. Are you the big man, Joe? Starting to look like he is the big man. And Byron Donald is right to say the media has no interest in this because the media, which at one point was tasked with holding people in power accountable, has now devoted all of its energy to making certain people in power. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. It really is, but it's dead and buried to the detriment of all of us. If you're a liberal and you're like, ah, this is good. The media covers for my party. This helps me. That is a fact check false. No, it doesn't. Because if they're getting inept people elected because they lean to the left and then the country falls off a cliff, we're all screwed in the long run. He knows what he's talking about. Budweiser presents Real Them of Genius. Real Them of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Biological Male pretending to be a woman. Mr. Biological Male pretending to be a woman. Millions of beer drinkers spend the day working a grueling shift on the construction site, but you pranced around the house on TikTok dressed as a six-year-old girl. You're a kid Anyone can hang their hat up after a long shift, but only a true hero can take off their dress and untape their nuts. Ow, that stings! So crack open an ice-cold bud, Mr. Biological Male, pretending to be a woman. Normally, beer comes in a cardboard case, but thanks to you, it now comes in a mental case. Mr. Biological Male, pretending to be a woman. 
is Fox Cross America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. We have an update on Bud Light, the top executive of Bud Light's parent company, Tranheiser Bush, issuing a statement in which they're now trying to distance themselves from the decision they made to put a transgender TikTok influencer named Dylan Mulvaney on the side of the beer can. That's stupid. Use your common sense. We could have saved them. Uh, 26% of their sales uh, and told them that long before Kid Rock started shooting up beer cans and Travis Tritt started emptying the Bud Light cases from his backstage rider and other country artists took notice and beer drinkers across the country walked away from the Bud Light brand. And why did they do it? Was it because they hated transgender people? The answer would be no. No, it's because beer is what you do to get away from identity politics. Beer is where you go when you're done fighting about stuff, when you're done working your day on the farm or in the field or on the construction site or in the cop car or on the radio. Remember the old Bud Light commercials where a guy argued with an umpire? And they were like, you know, they'd have this this Bud's for you ad where the manager would see the umpire in the hotel bar a few hours later. They'd be like, this Bud's for you. And they'd kind of make up, and that was what beer was for. It was to bring people together. The minute you make your beer can align with a position that clearly is dividing people in this moment, you have missed the whole point of beer. As Brian Brenberg famously said the last time I was hosting Gutfeld, beer is not for activists. Beer is for inactivists. Tell it like it is. But they ruined it. The thing you take fishing, the thing you take to the ball game. Think about where you drink beer. Okay, you may need a beer when you're watching a political debate, you know, if you're participating in one. I felt I've 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 been on many a TV set where I'm like, man, I could just use a beer. This news cycle is a mess. Okay, but you drink beer in recreational pursuits, parties, ball games, fishing trips, barbecues, stuff of that nature. And they took identity politics and literally painted it right on the side of the can. You are so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. I mean, seriously, I can't emphasize it enough. So people did feel betrayed. And when the then vice president of marketing gave her defense of why she did it, she said, what? Bud Light had become a stale brand. It was fratty. It was out of touch, she said. Such an idiot. I mean, really? This is pretty much the worst video ever made. <laughs> she really, she did the video, the interview. I've played you so many of the clips where she's like, you know, I had this uh, directive to freshen up the brand. But understand what she ultimately did, and this is something that happens a lot at a corporate level. When they get involved with corporate activism, they betray a clientele whose views don't necessarily Align with theirs. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Damn straight. Okay, these are the little things I understand. People that are making billions of dollars selling products to people who are making 20,000, 50,000, 80,000, 150,000, 200,000, whatever the case may be, you're living oftentimes in drastically different worlds. Again, poor people don't prioritize climate change. I give you this example all the time. All these liberal mayors are trying to emphasize climate change at a time when the poor people in their city are worried about getting robbed and mugged, are worried about the fact that they can't afford goods. The Democratic mayors show up and they're like, I've got it. We'll fix the weather in 50 years. Are you stupid or something? They have the luxury of other priorities. 
okay, the people who prioritize things like identity politics and transgender influencers on beer cans are not hanging out anywhere people drink beer. That's the point. So Bud Light made a decision wildly out of step with its clientele. And this morning, they now issued a statement disavowing their ties to transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney as sales of the beer crater. Here is the statement. We need to clarify the facts that this was one can, one influencer, one post, and not a campaign. You gotta do better than that. But let's keep going. Dowkris went on to decry the misinformation spread on social media after Mulvaney last month posted a photo with a Bud Light while in a bathtub on TikTok to her more than 10 million followers. The company faced immediate blowback from many conservative regions in the country. Calls for a Bud Light boycott have threatened Bud Light's leading position as the country's most popular brand. During the week ending April 22nd, most recent industry data available, Bud Light sales plunged 21% versus a year ago, accelerating from a 17% slide a week earlier and an initial weekly drop of 6% when the controversy kicked off during the first week of April, according to Nielsen IQ and Bump Williams Consulting. So Bud Light now down 21% overall. Okay. Head of uh, exec- chief executive now saying the company is providing direct financial support to delivery drivers, wholesalers, and bar owners who are impacted by the backlash, which is good. And again, I have a lot of empathy for the guys delivering and running Bud Light routes. They didn't ask for this. They didn't make this decision. They're the ones with boots on the ground. If they were consulted in the first place, if they were consulted in the first place, hey, we're going to put a transgender TikToker, Aubrey Hepburn cosplayer, a guy who dresses up as a six-year-old girl half the time. They actually issued the, the – think about this. They issued the can, according to Dylan Mulvaney, to mark his one year of womanhood. <laughs> Straight-up clown stuff. Okay, you're not a woman. You'd be whatever you want to pretend to be because that's the whole point of America. You can pretend to be whatever you want. Freedom! But it doesn't mean the rest of us have to play along and pretend you're a woman. We don't. Okay, we can respect your decision. We can allow you to go be and pursue your best life. Okay, but if we're supposed to take this seriously, if Dylan Mulvaney is really supposed to be acknowledged as a one-year-old woman, then Bud Light is now celebrating the idea of serving beer to one-year-old girls. I think he's got a point. Think about that. Ah, as a one-year-old woman, we got to issue a beer can because she's one. Okay, so we're starting to sell beer to one-year-olds. I feel like we're missing the mark here by about 20 years. But here's a little more Anheuser-Busch really quick. Okay. Basically, what they're now saying is it was an outside marketing agency, an outside marketing agency that came up with this idea and made the deal without the company's knowledge. Come on. Don't bullshit me. But that's what they did. Why did they do it? Because they're trying to obviously distance themselves from the disastrous decision. But understand, if it was an outside agency, why did they fire their two highest-ranking internal ad agents. Think about that. No, no, the company had nothing to do with it. We just fired the people inside of the company because of it. No, what went on is they approved this because they thought it was hip. They're trying to court another demographic. But the problem with corporate activism is the customers don't ask for it. Nobody goes to beer for politics. Remember the Chris Rock bit? If you saw the Chris Rock special on Netflix, he was talking about how he walked into Lululemon And they have a sign on the front about how in this store, we don't support racism or bigotry. And and yo, great. Nobody asked for that, number one. Number two, it's a straw man argument. 
because you're saying it as if there's a store next door that's like, well, in this store, we do support racism and bigotry. And com- that's not going on. These are all pretend straw man arguments. And what did Chris Rock say to his credit? He's like, yeah, I don't care about your yoga pants politics. It's the same argument I make about Disney World, though. If you're going to get involved at a corporate level in politics and you're going to start lecturing me about inclusion, maybe Disney World, if they're worried about inclusion, shouldn't charge people 150 bucks to get in. Because I promise you, the price tag is keeping more people out than the pronouns. I've gone there as a member of a, a poor family, as a cab driver. Oh, my gosh. The bilink at a Buzz Lightyear toy. I was turning tricks behind Space Mountain. What the hell did you just say? But the point is it was expensive. And for the little guy, it was cost prohibitive to do most of the things they want you to do in Disney World. But they'll still lecture you about inclusion. They'll still tell you Ron DeSantis is declaring a war on gay people as Disney does business in 13 countries that criminalize gay activity. Criminalize it. You understand? Criminalize gay activity, punishable by death, punishable by chemical castration. Okay, yeah, Disney's making money in those countries, but then they come back to this country and they're like, oh, the bigotry. Oh, it's out of control. Disney, come on, man. I can't, but we just got to look out for the gay community, said Disney. You are so full of sh. They totally are. Totally are. Now listen, little boy. No, I'm not listening, Mickey, because the whole thing is a scam. And the reason I've harped on the Bud Light thing, we haven't done it like day in and day out. I mean, we've, you know, kind of had a cursory coverage of this, wrote a couple of sketches about it, had a couple of laughs, is because this is one of the rare instances where right-wing pushback has influenced corporate decision-making in their favor. Very rarely does it happen. Most corporate decision-making in this day and age tends to trend liberal. Okay, the liberals wanted to defund the police, so the professional sports leagues and a lot of corporate places aligned with Black Lives Matter. You know, the liberals wanted to take sports and protest the national anthem, so the professional sports leagues went with them. They started putting end racism messages and all this activist jargon on the backs of jerseys, on the sidelines of the basketball courts and the end zones of the football games. Okay, it was corporate decision-making in favor of liberal policy. Time and time again, that's usually the case. Bud Light, a major shot across the bow, and a heads-up to future corporations that you don't need to pick fights on behalf of people who didn't ask you to pick them, you understand. But that's exactly what they did. So the fact that they're kind of getting their ass handed to them, I love. It doesn't make me happy to know rank-and-file people are struggling, though. That's where this becomes challenging for me. But this revisionist history they're trying to sell you. No, we had nothing to do with this. <laughs> we didn't even know it was going on. You were lying your ass off. You are a multi-billion dollar company. You're not green lighting ad campaigns without knowing you're green lighting them. That is correct. But this revisionist history is something that's also spilling into our politics. Earlier in the week, we covered Randy Weingarten. She's the head of the teachers union, the American Federation of Teachers, someone who fought to the death to keep schools closed around the country, did everything she could. No, we're going to keep them closed. Even after the American Academy of Pediatrics came forward to say, hey, you know what? These kids are going to be safer in school this fall. We're talking about the fall of 2020. The teachers unions around the country staged walkouts, called it white supremacy, said you don't care about the kids. The Chicago's teachers union started, if you remember, releasing interpretive dance videos. That was embarrassing. Remember that? Then they started walking to school to protest 
with fake coffins. That was absolutely dreadful. If you open the school, you're going to kill the kids. Follow the science. Except the American Academy of Pediatrics, the people in charge of the science, said to send the kids back to school. But Randy Weingartner and the Democrats embrace this as a political issue. One, because the teachers unions are the number one marketing arm of the Democratic Party. Number two, because Trump at the time was running for reelection and wanted the kids back in school. So they opposed this just because. They went against the well-being of the kid. They went against their own scientific guidance just because. But now in revisionist history, like Bud Light wants you to believe they didn't know there was a Dylan Mulvaney can. Corrine Jean-Pierre, here she is, wanting you to believe that reopening schools was a top priority. Clip 30. As you just said, kids have lost so much in the pandemic. This is why when the president walked in, he made that he made a priority uh, to open schools. Uh, One of the things that was important to do to make sure that our kids who have lost so much were able to go back in person school if they choose, have the resources that they needed uh, that to to really succeed and move forward uh, in their education. And we saw that, unfortunately, the pandemic had a a unfortunate effect on our young, our young people, on our kids. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. The problem in this country is there's so much money in consulting. There's so much money in liberal consulting that influences corporate decision making that on a corporate level like Bud Light or a governmental level like the Biden administration, they're taking advice and directives from people who are wildly out of touch with the actual person being affected by the policy. Nobody, I promise you, was going into a beer freezer a month ago saying, gosh, there's so many options. If only one of these beers had a guy wearing a dress on the side of the can, that would simplify this for me. Nobody was asking for that. doesn't mean they hate trans people. It just means they didn't need them on the beer cans. All it means, very simple. It's not, you know, you don't have to read anything more into what I'm saying. But it's no differently now than Bud Light wanted to be like, we didn't know it was happening. We didn't realize it was a thing. You just got to take our word for it. It's the same thing they're doing at the White House. Oh, we didn't know the school closures. Yo, you, you made this decision. You have to own this decision. And if you do own this decision, it shows so much more integrity and it makes your next decision and your next judgment a little bit easier to believe in. But the problem that they keep trying to distance themselves from the results of their own policy is why nobody in the world takes these folks serious, whether we're talking about corporate activists or we're talking about government school closings or anything in between. Okay, the divide in this country is not between black and white. It's not between Republican and Democrat. It's between people who are making decisions that have no connection to the people influenced by them. When you made a decision to close the schools, you didn't have a connection to how that was going to affect the kids. Because you didn't want one. Okay, the American Academy of Pediatrics told you how it would affect the kids, but you're like, nah, who cares? We've got to make a political decision here. No differently than when you put a trans influencer on the side of a beer can. You weren't operating with your customer in mind. And that's the real problem is everybody in this country is so self-absorbed that they're now in positions of leadership, but they're only thinking about themselves. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Jimmy Fallon. Nice kid, but a little dumb. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Worth a mention here on Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. Florida, state governed by Ron DeSantis, now has the top spot in education rankings for the first time in history. (laughs) 
According to U.S. News and World Report, Sunshine State has taken the overall top spot for education for the first time ever, ranked Florida's higher education at number one, and pre-K through 12 education at number 14, that combination overall, according to the Florida Standard. Sunshine State rose 28 spots since 2017, right before DeSantis became governor. And the approach to education, as you know, has been more about straw man arguments. Oh, he's banning gay people. You know, people are under attack under Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Not what's going on. Ron DeSantis made the calculated decision to teach children to add numbers before they subtract their junk. Okay, all of this gender stuff and, you know, telling kids they're trapped in the wrong body and forcing them into your left-wing activism before they've even learned to read, okay? Kids want chocolate milk. (laughs) And yes, they want to learn to read and write, but at no point do they want you to take away their junk. I'm just telling you. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Boom, there it is, back in action. Big Thursday on Fox Across America. Dana Perino, Bell of the Cable News Ball, co-host of America's Newsroom, co-host of The Five, host of the Everything's Gonna Be Okay podcast. She classes up the show in this hour. We're going to have a grown-up talk about all things America, and we're going to take a good hard look at rhetorical responsibility. There's a lot said on the left about the dangers of the analysis. and the Democrats are so full of crap. And I can say that why, because they never look in that mirror and hold themselves accountable for the type of divisive, I mean viciously divisive statements they make, whether it's Joe Biden saying that voter ID laws are Jim Crow on steroids down in Georgia. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia. Think about that. Or, of course, the comments that went viral last night from none other than Joy Reid. Joy Reid is a race-baiting loser. We're going to discuss all of it in this hour. 888-788-9910. Uh, I will tell you this right off the bat. If you watch me on TV tonight, I'll be telling jokes. I'll be on Jesse Waters at 7 o'clock. I'll be on Gutfeld tonight at 11. It's going to be a fantastic time. It's going to be a very loose hang. And it'll be me attempting to bridge the divide in society by bonding with you through laughter. That's what I do. That's the purpose I serve. Tell jokes. I kind of make fun of the news. I kind of take the edge off so you can have your vitamins uh, without tasting them inside that syrupy sweet applesauce that I'm serving you every day on the radio and the television. But the conversation we're about to have in the next couple of moments is a semi-serious conversation in that there's a really reckless and disgusting thing going on in this country specifically on the left. I say every day my jo- my show is a show for all Americans. I am a conservative, but I'm not doing a conservative talk show. I'm doing an American talk show. I promise you, okay, I am not calling out the left in this moment as a Republican. I'm calling out the left as an American, okay? The reason we are as divided as we are is because the left refuses to engage in the idea battle. We're not debating policy anymore. The left is saying, here's our idea. If you don't oppose it, you're a bigot. If you don't oppose it, you're a transphobe. You're a racist. You're a homophobe. So go along and vote for our idea. That's what they're doing day in and day out. 
And unfortunately, because we live in an era where people's emotions are their facts, if you pound it into their skull every day that somebody wants to kill trans people or drag queens, you know, is a racist or is anti-woman. Joy Reid called women womb slaves in this video rant. That was embarrassing. I mean, just she's an idiot. I mean, Joy Reid has nothing to do with the race or gender. She's actually like a stupid person. Um, I don't doubt she'd probably show you three or four degrees, some some fancy school. But Joy Reid gets on TV every night. She is the Chumbawamba of cable news. You know how Chumbawamba has the one song? I get knocked down, but I get up again. That whole thing. But if you're watching Joy Reid, you are truly pissing the night away, as that song goes on to say, because she only has the one hit. Everything's racist. Everything's racist. Everything's bigotry. Okay, and I want to play you this, and I want you to understand why you're about to listen to this. I'm go- I want you to understand why she posted this video on social media and not on TV, because what you're about to hear is clearly too far for even MSNBC. Step into my office. Why? Because you're fired. I mean, you'd like to think she would be for saying what you're about to hear. This is disgusting, and point by point, line by line, it's also inaccurate. What's going on in this country right now is there's this really disgusting mischaracterization of Republican positions. And it's why we can't work together as a country. If you're a Democrat elected official and you tell all of your constituents, hey, they're white supremacists. Hey, they're in the Klan. Hey, they're Nazis. Hey, they hate women. Hey, they want to bring back slavery. Okay, you can't then go to your voters and say, but we made a deal with them. You can't justify making a deal with them when you characterize them the way the left does. That's why there's no societal progress. I'm telling you the temperature is off. And I'm well aware that there are people on the right that are flamethrowers. I mean, Trump is a bomb thrower. Okay, so I'm not telling you that everyone should be excused in this moment. But one of the reasons you'll see so much vicious counterpunching out of Trump is because Trump was a member of the liberal media. Trump was on MSNBC for 14 years. Trump hung out with Morning Joe. Trump went on, okay, TV shows like Barbara Walters. Trump went on The View all the time. The View is awful. So you understand Trump is in a unique position in that I'm not justifying every word that comes out of his mouth, but when a guy is a member of polite society, specifically a member of NBC's primetime lineup for 14 years, And then the channel starts pretending he's a white supremacist. As you would imagine, the guy feels pretty aggrandized. Okay, as you would imagine, there's a frustration in knowing just how wildly full of every one of those people are. Okay, if you get on the air and you tell me Trump is literally Hitler after you just gave him a primetime platform for 14 years... That kind of makes you literally Goebbels. I think he's got a point. Now, of course, they're not Goebbels. Of course, Trump is not Hitler. But that's how ridiculous the rhetoric has gotten on the left. They're so threatened to engage in the idea battle that they're more committed to distorting the Republican idea. Okay, let me give you a good example. Ron DeSantis wanted to ban sex education for children of every kind. If you're between kindergarten and third grade, can't learn about gay sex, can't learn about straight sex, can't learn about trans sex, no sex. Why? Because anyone who wants to talk to a kindergarten kid about sex shouldn't be around kindergarten kids. Think about it. You're living in a world in corporate America where if you went into a boardroom and talked to your adult coworker about sex, you'd get fired. 
But if you went and talked to their kindergarten kid about sex, you'd get hired? What the hell is the world coming to? We all know it doesn't make sense. It does. It's disgusting. But understand, that was the DeSantis position. The Parental Rights and Education Act never said the word gay. Ever. But the Democrats mischaracterized it as what? The don't say gay bill. That's what's going on. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. And corporations got involved and they were like, DeSantis is banning gay people. Whoever saw such a thing? And Disney jumped in. Folks, anyone who thinks DeSantis is banning gay people has never been the Key West. They've never been the South Beach. Gay people are down there by the million. They're having a fabulous time as they should be. Okay, they are wildly accepted and overwhelmingly welcomed and comfortable in in Florida, which is why there are more gay people moving to Florida than any other state in America. But the Democrats mischaracterize the position no differently than when they say, oh, the Republicans want to kill trans people. They're erasing trans people. No, no, no. They're stopping the Democrats from creating trans people. No Republican says anyone over the age of 18 can't be trans. No Republican says they shouldn't be allowed to vote, drive, work, be represented in society. The Republican position is, hey, could you not force this on kids? Could you not try to usurp parental authority and make decisions that will subject a kid to a lifetime of surgeries and follow-up medications at an age when they're not fully developed and they don't have the legal authority to make decisions for, like, a tattoo, for, like, to smoke a pack of cigarettes, let alone to cut their, you know, because they're having a bad day? But here is Joy Reid mischaracterizing every single Republican position And it's disgusting. But this is what the left does. This is why progress is so unattainable in our society, because half of the country literally believes they're negotiating or at least wisely not negotiating with a bunch of killers and thugs and rapists and misogynists. Listen to how disgusting this is. Like we're living in the death of shame. Like this should hurt someone to say, but it doesn't because she's a lying sociopath. Here it is. Clip 28. The Republican Party at this stage in its development is at war with the rest of us. They're at war with women and women, if you think they're gonna stop with just outlawing the abortion pill, you got another thing coming. When they're done getting a national ban on abortion, which is what they're going for, They're coming for your birth control. And when they're done with that, they're going to move on to LGBTQ rights. They're coming for gay marriage. Don't think that you, if you're LGBTQ, but you're rich and affluent and Republican, that you're safe because they're coming for your rights too. They're coming for all non-white immigration. Because look, if they can force American women to give birth, who needs immigration? They'll just replenish the impoverished, desperate workforce with poor people. They force American women and girls, little girls, teenage girls and younger to make. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. But think of the level of disgusting accusation here. I mean, just patently disgusting. The Republicans are not at war with women. You know what the Republicans are trying to do with women right now? A lot of things I can't even say on the air. Hubba, hubba. (laughs) Oh, man. Do we like women? 
It's no war on women. Stop it. Okay, but let's move on. Okay? They're not trying, okay, to ban abortion nationwide, take away LGBTQ rights. They're not coming for gay marriage. But you know who would have been on board with coming for gay marriage? Uh, Joe Biden, if we were going to have an honest conversation. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? That's Joe Biden, by the way. But the point is, the Republicans have covered for LGBTQ rights. Ron DeSantis didn't ban gay people. Doesn't care. Said, don't teach it to little kids. They're coming after non-white immigration, she said with a straight face. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Nobody in the Republican Party says no immigration. You know what everybody in the Republican Party says? Legal immigration. You are correct, sir. Legal immigration from every country in the world. We were built on immigration. The Republicans in favor of immigration just want it to happen legally so we can control the flow of drugs, cartel violence, people on the terror watch list, you know, stuff that would benefit all of us to filter out of our society. But here's more Joy Reid and why is she doing this? Okay, number one, because we have normalized racism on the left. That's the left's whole grift is calling you a racist so they can be racist. Because all she's doing is characterizing the Republicans as a bunch of racist white people that want to kill women and transgender people and take away their rights and their wombs and ban immigrants from coming to the country. None of it true. None of it even remotely true. But why do you take these positions instead of engaging us in a point-by-point debate? Because she knows she can't win that battle. Again, when you have the facts, pound the facts. When you have nothing, pound the table. Joy Reid pounding the table. Here's a little more, clip 29. They're coming for workers' rights because once they have their population of low-wage workers, why give them any rights? Why give them the right to unionize? Why give them any rights at all? Give them low wages and then give them nothing else. They're coming for education because the last thing you want is an educated workforce are educated people who know history and know enough about history to see what they're doing. They're coming for your books. They're coming for black history. They're coming for Holocaust history. They're coming for the history of all nine white people and they're going to erase it from our schools. And one thing that they will never do is protect a single child from getting slaughtered in school. Because their only true worship is guns. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Again. You're a loony. What an, just an absolute piece of human trash you have to be to level those wildly unfounded accusations. And they're not based in, it's just just straight garbage. Like, I, I don't listen. I'm not a cancel culture guy. I don't care. Okay, I, you know, the whole point of the First Amendment is I don't agree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. She could say it, uh, but that doesn't mean she's not a piece of for saying it. Okay, Republicans, okay, when you talk about the coming for black history, the Republicans are not saying it's not a single Republican who says you can't teach about slavery. It's not a single school that says you can't teach about slavery. 
What they do want to stop people from teaching is that America in 2023 is America in 1823. The people who oppose critical race theory is not because they want to ban black history. It's because they don't want to ban black progress. Critical race theory bans black progress. They try to tell you we're so racist in the modern age that we can't even see it anymore. Sure, black people can now hold the highest elected office in the land. Sure, black people are amongst the richest people in the world now, per capita. Sure, they're the biggest faces in entertainment and sports and government. But that doesn't mean we're not racist, you guys. I mean, come on. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. But you talk about how they're coming for education? Do you know who opposes school choice? I'll give you a newsflash. It ain't the Republican Party. It's the Democratic Party that's forcing minorities into failing inner city schools. Why? Because the teachers union is the biggest lobbying arm of the party. Money, 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 money. But the most disgusting one of all, oh, they don't want to look out for kids because they love guns. The Republicans are the ones saying fortify the schools with armed guards, which last I checked is a gesture towards protecting kids. Joy Reid is a weapons grade Idiot. Get her out. Get her out of here. Jimmy Fallon. He's got great charisma. Yeah. He's always dressed fantastic. He has what I call it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Dana Perino around the corner. Not going to get into specifics, but she's in some of the highest elevator rankings here at the Fox News building. I always tell you the thing about listening to the show every day is you have access. I give you a higher security clearance than anybody on any show, on any media empire, anywhere. Tell you what goes on on the TV sets, tell you what goes on at the cocktail parties, I tell you everything. It's like a civilian ride along. You know, because I was you. I was listening to the radio during my work day or whatever the heck you happen to be doing right now, hanging out in your prison bunk. No judgments here. I'm a mess. But the point is, you guys are the stars of the show right there with me. I tell you everything. I'm coming out soon. Uh, We may even publish them on foxnews.com. I'm not kidding. It's a long story. I'll explain. Uh, My rankings of the best elevator company here in the building. Why? Because I want, you know, it's really just a roundabout way to Uh, you know, highlight some people that I find fun and funny who don't get credit for doing so. But my longer-term goal is for the rest of the world to understand Fox News in the way that you do as someone who listens to the show every day. We ain't mad, like Joy Reid says. We ain't coming uh, to beat up drag queens or take away books or ban history. Okay, the only thing we're going to take away is most of the whiskey behind your bar, okay, because it's going home in our bellies at the end of the night if past performance is any indication. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. It's a fabulous way to go through life. But if you can throw in a side order of Dana Perino for the ride, you, my friend, are winning. And that's exactly what we're going to do when we come back. Co-host of the five co-hosts of Outnumbered, former White House Press Secretary Dana Perino at the podium After this on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. So fired up to talk to this next guest who is not only the co-host of America's Newsroom, the co-host of The Five, 
the esteemed host of the Everything is Going to Be Okay podcast. But I have her right now. We haven't released the rankings, but I have her in my top three elevator hangs in the Fox News building. Dana Perino is here. Is that I'm in top top five? Top three, I said. Oh, top three. Oh, you're on the medal podium. I just haven't revealed them officially. Okay. Like, we can back channel this off the air, but I it's like, like the Oscars. You're not supposed to know if you won. I always know things. You do. I no, do. No, you're on the inside. I'm a definitely, like, I, when I worked at the White House, uh-huh. I was definitely a value add. Like, people could come to me because I always knew something that mm-hmm. could help them. Yep. Or that they needed to know. Yeah. And nobody knew, how did I know all these things? <laughs> For, well, maybe it was your elevator But I was game. a real honest broker. Mm-hmm. So they always knew, like, so one of the things about being press secretary is you want people to give you information, yep. right? Mm-hmm. But you also want to, that they want to make sure that it, when you are going to regurgitate the information, it's going to be in the spirit and manner in which they yeah, of expressed course. it. Of course. And I would be an honest broker that way. Wow. Now, now, were you acquiring any of this information in elevators? Because I find you to be a very effective there, elevator I broker. didn't really use an elevator okay. in the West Wing because of stairs. Yeah, you yeah, know, got to take the stairs, get your steps in, things like that. <laughs> but um, in the hallway, you know, like uh-huh. in the West Wing, you ever watch, yeah. show, watch the show? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it seemed like all the major decisions of the world were being made in the hallway. Yeah, because they're walking. That's where I would get some information. Is that true? Hallway. So it is that cinematic in real life. Like things are happening on in the In the mood. hallway. Like, oh, hey, I needed to see you. Oh, hey. Oh, you know. And that's why everybody should get back to the office. Thank you. Dana Perino giving good life advice. Right, right out of the gate. We, like we fired her out of a cannon. Well, my rankings are coming out later in the week. Can I give okay. you a few few sleepers? Few, few won't surprise you. Okay. okay. Like our mutual friend Shannon Bream, when she's in New York, is an excellent elevator hang. Because there's music range. She'll get into news of the day. There's a lot of... She's got depth and breadth. she does. No, you give her that. You might wind up talking about Def Leppard for three floors. And she'll pray for you. No, she will. That's that at the end. So so even if your Def Leppard songs don't work out, she'll pray for your playlist. And maybe by the end of the week, you're back in the good graces. Uh, McCallum's actually really good. And uh, your co-host, Bill Hemmer. The thing about Hemmer is, let me give you this, though. Because Hemmer has that latitude, too, where you might go into, like, hard news, like the sedan, but it might end with him (laughs) referencing a Springsteen lyric but you think you're still talking about sedan. Oh, my gosh. Just now, <laughs> earlier well, earlier this morning when we were on the show, we were beginning the show, and he says to me that he witnessed a drug deal last uh-huh. night. Just like right out – he was like, wow, just like right in the broad daylight, just like right in front of the building. like Not this building, but like where, where he was. And two hours later, he goes, you know, it could have been this. And he's pointing to a picture, and it says methamphetamine. Now, yeah. we were doing a story about following up on the horrible shooting in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you think he was on meth? He goes, no, the drug deal. I'm like, you got to give me a <laughs> no, little clue no as to what you're like, – I can usually follow the bouncing ball of Bill mm-hmm. Hemmer's brain, no. but I missed it that day. He's the Jimi Hendrix of news in that you might be playing the Star Spangled Banner, and the next thing you know, fire is coming on. He, no, yeah. he, you, know, you know those little rubber balls you'd get out of the 25-cent machine? <laughs> That's how he was today. He was just like bouncing everywhere. I couldn't pay attention. <laughs> Cable News Super Bowl, Bill Hemmer. And this will definitely come up the next time he's in studio. Well, one other thing I wanted to tell you about Washington. It's very rare that I have Washington gossip that you don't. Oh, yeah, please. But Hit I would yeah, imagine this. But as I was down in the swamp last weekend for the correspondence dinner, and this probably won't surprise you, but uh, one government official that was at every party mm-hmm. and even tried to get into every network pre-party, Gavin Newsom, uh-huh. aggressively working the refs. Do you think on any level He's still kind of running a shadow campaign. I think that's so pitiful. I know. It looks sad. Looking to try to get into the parties? Every parties. He was, oh, so, so he was at a couple embarrassing. Ag- he was at a couple agency parties. Like, if you're not invited already, yeah. don't ever try to go. <laughs> no, I don't go to half the parties I'm invited to. You know, you're exhausted. No, you just want to no, take it no, easy. No, no. Imagine trying to get in, and there he was. Well, the governor should just host his own party. How about that? That's what he should do. If he really wants to win friends and influence people in Washington, mm. you throw the party. Thank you.
but there he was. He looked like, you know what, it, it was funny. It looked like, uh, the, you know, the college kid that was trying to get into the high school backyard party. It's a sad uh, look. Oh, he was yeah. Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. Take your <laughs> California, go back home, French laundry. Well, there's this great debate, uh, you know, if in in fact we wind up getting a Newsome nomination somehow. I don't know where we are in this, uh, but I don't think he's given up on the idea of running. No. But there couldn't be a vaster divide between the quality of life in California and, let's say, Florida, where DeSantis got some good news about education. Did you guys catch that this morning? No. Okay, so apparently DeSantis now has Florida ranked number one in education overall, which is a big win. That's amazing. That's a big win. That is a huge accomplishment. And I speak to it why, because there's this characterization on the left. This has been driving me crazy. We're going to get into this. Uh, You know, people like to talk about right-wing rhetoric and rhetorical responsibility and stuff like that. But there's this really, I think, dangerous reframing of conservative positions as like militant, bigoted, anti-education. The whole argument against DeSantis is that he wants to deny kids an education. Mm -hmm. But this kind of refutes that. But my question to you is, is there any world where they acknowledge that it's been refuted or do they just carry on with the attack? So so the number one ranking, is that for test scores? Yes, test scores and people ascending to higher education. Okay. So those are tangible results, Mm -hmm. right? So we've been talking a lot about the nation's report card, um, which just came out for math reading Mm -hmm. for fourth and eighth graders. Absolutely abysmal. But yesterday we got the news that both history and civics tests are also way down, which means that nobody knows how our government functions, Mm -hmm. for example. So I think that that for Florida to achieve that, that's really wonderful. And it says a lot about the direction of the state and how many people have moved there, and they're excited and energized, and they want the best for their kids. Everybody wants the best for their kids. But in Florida, they're really figuring out a way to do that. I will say that the left has been very effective Mm -hmm. in talking about book banning. Yes. Okay. And I'm not saying that schools shouldn't take a look at the books that are on the shelves in the library. They should. Mm -hmm. But when you go down that path, because conservatives, and it's unfair, you always start in a hole Mm -hmm. in terms of credibility with the media, therefore Mm -hmm. in the public. So you have to work extra hard to explain precisely what you are doing. That hasn't been happening. If you look at the polling where you have independents Mm -hmm. and suburban moms in particular, they do not support overall book bans. No. Well, so book- you have to explain it precisely. If you do that and you take the time to do that, you can win. Now, DeSantis will do that. Yeah. He'll take the time to do it. He'll argue with the media. He'll mm-hmm. show exactly what they're getting wrong in their reporting. Everybody, if you're going to move forward on something like making mm-hmm. sure the libraries are safe and sound for the kids, yeah. then you have to do the communications work too. It's a really great point. Dana Perino is in studio uh, when you get to issues, because so many of these cultural issues like book banning and the transgender issue are emotional issues. So it's so imperative that they play fundamentally good ball, as you said, to articulate their viewpoints because they're so easily distorted for political gain. A good one right now is what's going on in New York City. Eric Adams, who is the mayor of a sanctuary city, now claims the migrants are being sent here because he happens to be a black mayor, which is not the reason they're coming here. But it is effective to a percentage of the electorate to yep. go, yeah, and what's Abbott doing? Through, he said, look, Atlanta, Denver, Chicago, let's say I'm like, oh, wow. Well, first of all, uh-huh. isn't it remarkable? Yeah. The achievements of the black mayor. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. That blacks have won these elections and they say that's amazing. Right. Yep. OK, great. 
And then when they say that Abbott is being racist for sending migrants their way, well, is the white president being racist by not sending those black mayors the money and resources they need to deal with the problem? Yep. That's a, that's a great point. Thank you. Yeah, thank, no, for I'm real, I'm going to put it in my great Take point journal. Take a bow, Perino. Bring that into the elevator. I mean, you need a longer ride for this, though. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a stickier subject. But that's, to me, the bigger point of the whole thing is that there's no interest in calling out the party. That's left the border open. Yep. And when you yell at me about straining the resources of the five of the biggest cities in America with no regard for what's going Don't on. Don't blame inside Abbott. El Paso, blame the president. Thank you. Thank you, Dana Perino. All right. One more. We'll get you off the hot seat to go dominate the world. Uh, I want to put you in White House press secretary mode, but assume uh, as White House press secretary, you're now advising Bud Light. Just uh. give me a second on this. Bud Light today spoke directly to this controversy. And the claim was that they had no knowledge of this commemorative can being issued. It was an outside marketing agency. That being said, they have fired their two senior marketing executives. On a base level, do you think they're handling this right? Do you, or do you think they should have maybe owned this sooner or maybe even tried to distance themselves sooner? I think that all of corporate America can take a big lesson here from this because – you do want to delegate, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to have to be making all the decisions. Yep. But um, Lauder, uh, Estee Lauder, mm-hmm. the guy, head of the Lauder family, he wrote a book recently. It's very good, and it's about principles of business that he's learned and advice that he's gotten over the years. He talks about how to this day mm-hmm. he signs off on every single ad campaign because over the years there was one time when he didn't mm-hmm. and it was a disaster wow. cost them millions huge problem big and he said it's all because i didn't take the time to do one last look yeah. at that advertising uh-huh. so that's a lesson number 2 do not assume that the creative people mm. that you're delegating to uh-huh. are going to necessarily be fully aligned with the company vision that you have in the c suite that's a great point okay because People that are going into those professions tend to have a certain point of view. Yes. So should they have done something earlier? Do you remember the story? You're maybe too young. The Johnson & Johnson cyanide pills? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that re- PR reaction mm-hmm. was done by Harold Burson of the Burson Marsteller Agency. He's uh, recently passed. Mm-hmm. He was, I think, 100 when he died. Wow. He was considered the gold standard for PR responses. And what he told Johnson & Johnson is that if you're going to weather this storm, you have to fully and completely say it, and you have to figure out a way to reassure customers. So Johnson & Johnson did something very bold. They took every Johnson & Johnson product off the shelves in every store. Wow. I mean, that's And aggressive. issued a public statement that said, we do not know where this is coming from. We do think it's isolated to these Three bottles, but we're not going to risk it. Your health is so important to us. Therefore, we're pulling it all, and then we will restock from there. Cost them a lot, yeah. but that company went on to thrive. Yeah. Anheuser-Busch is sort of like limping along here. It's not <laughs> like people don't have other options. There's lots of different options for beer. There's not yeah. that many different options well, for Tylenol. <laughs> well, the thing with they can't pull all the cases off the shelf either because there's so many on the shelves right now because nobody's buying them. they got to make a full pivot, yeah. and they'll have to decide how to do that, and they're going to have to pay. All right. right? It's going to cost them some money. Well, we're going to send this to St. Louis after you go. Thanks right, for the great, advice as always. This one's on us, Anheuser-Busch. Dana <laughs> Perino, watch The Five today at 5. We're back after this. This thing is going to become gargantuan when the Son of Man comes. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
critics are calling it the show of the year. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. Doing the damn thing on the TV. I will be on with Greg Gutfeld tonight at 11 o'clock on the Fox News channel. If you're looking to watch some Fallivision. In the meantime, we'll keep holding it down on the radio. In the next hour, Laura Ingle, Fox News reporter, stopping by. Paul Morrow, retired NYPD inspector, also good to be in the House as well to discuss a very uh, controversial death that occurred on the subway here in New York City yesterday that is spilling directly into this nationwide conversation we continue to have about pretend racism. Pretend racism. Okay, Mayor Eric Adams kind of started this earlier in the week, and I thought this was worth updating. Abbott and I, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, let me let me say this clearly. It's the least I can do. Do you speak in English? (laughs) Hey, I will do this for you in English. So Greg Abbott you know, the governor of Texas has been relocating migrants coming into the country. Uh, is it Greg Abbott's job to stop migrants from coming into the country? The answer would be no. But because there's been a dereliction of duty by the Biden administration, we have been hit with a record level of border crossings. All time high. But Corrine Jean-Pierre did say with a straight face earlier this week that the border crossings are down. By 90%. You're a bald-faced liar. A liar. Okay, one of the reasons we also know she's a liar beyond the statistics released by Customs and Border Patrol is because if border crossings were down, liberal mayors like Eric Adams wouldn't be complaining about the massive numbers of migrants that are being relocated to their cities. Okay, but understand, there's been a dereliction of duty to protect the border in this country. We talked about it at great length. But what Adams is trying to do is reframe migrant relocation as some form of racism. So here he is on Tuesday saying exactly that. He says, I'm not saying he's racist. I'm just saying he's only sending migrants to black run cities, which, by the way, is a lie. Correct the mundo. But here it was Tuesday, clip 12. I never used the term racist. No. That was a little creative journalism that mm. was used. Uh, but let's look at the facts. 108,000 cities in New York. 108,000. Uh, Governor Abbott sent uh, asylum seekers to New York, black mayor, to Washington, black mayor, to Houston, black mayor, uh, to Los Angeles, black mayor, uh, to Denver, black mayor. He passed over thousands of cities to land here. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. And why do I say that? Because every city he just mentioned, every single city is a sanctuary city. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Meaning every one of these cities declared that they would be a sanctuary for people in this country illegally. No person is illegal. That's what they said. You're all welcome here. They declared themselves sanctuary cities as a rebuttal to Donald Trump, who as president wanted to enforce our border policy. So with the Democrats, as they took the political position that securing the border was racist, 
and to fight this racism, they were going to become sanctuary cities for migrants in this country illegally. Okay, the reason they were able to maintain their status as sanctuary cities under the Trump administration is because border crossings got cut. But then that weaponized racism, okay, ultimately led to the election of Joe Biden. And now because they won the election and they've got a Democrat in office that truly believes that securing the border is racist, they're all getting called out for sanctuary cities and shipped the migrants that they were never serious about taking to begin with. (laughs) It's so wonderful. Like, I hate that migrants are in the position of having to be relocated. Okay, but they're in this position because the Biden administration won't secure the border. They shouldn't be coming into our country illegally. They should be coming legally. But these folks in these cities are getting called out. Never mind that Adams was lying. Because Philadelphia, one of the biggest sanctuary cities and recipients of migrants in the world, run by a white mayor. Here he is being confronted by that from CNN of all places. Clip 14. What I'm making clear of the fact, not based on my opinion, he sent them to New York City, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Denver. But also Philadelphia, which has a white mayor. All of the all of the I have not received any reports from Philadelphia. I believe that he sent them to black cities. I mean, mayors where black mayors are. And I don't know if it's if it's to undermine uh, these large cities that are run by black mayors because of his political agenda. I don't know if he's doing it before the race. I'm giving the facts of where he has sent them to Washington, D.C. Mm. Uh, these are uh, cities that have black mayors. And that is a fact. That is not my opinion. And that is not defining why he's doing it. I'm laying out the facts. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Okay, really. He tried to throw the racist fastball, missed the strike zone by about 12 feet. Every city receiving migrants is a sanctuary city. And here's a newsflash. The migrants choose where they get relocated to, not the governors. So Eric Adams, uh, as always, once again. You are so full of sh- Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go, here we go. Back in action for a big hour on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A man who's not completely full of But you know who is my congresswoman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. AOC is a dope. So dumb she studied for a COVID test. And we're going to get into it in this hour because there is a controversy sweeping the streets of New York City right now over another incident involving pretend racism. We will bring you inside that controversy with Fox News reporter Laura Engel and, of course, Paul Morrow a retired NYPD inspector who will stop by as well. 888-788-9910 if you want your voice heard in a huddle where everybody is welcome. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. The only rule we ever deploy on this show. You could be a Republican, you could be a Democrat, you could be a Libertarian, you could be an Independent. You could be someone who identifies as a furry. All we ask is that you don't be a... There it is. Big hour coming up. I'm on Gutfeld tonight at 11 o'clock with our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. 
Uh, you can watch me there in action doing what I do best, telling jokes, having a good time, wearing some type of funky sport coat. Nobody's having a better time on TV than me. That Nope, there's nobody. My whole life is a drinking story. I was driving a cab. Now I'm on the biggest cable news shows in the world. This is hilarious. It's exciting. It's fun. It's everything. But the thing that makes me unique in this sphere is that I have no formal background in any of it. I'm just a regular dude. I was driving a taxi. I was telling jokes and, uh, you know, probably eating a little bit more than the makeup and wardrobe department would appreciate. I swallowed a lot of aggression along with a lot of pizzas. <laughs> Pizza. But the point being is when I come at a news story. Okay, my angle is your angle, a street-level angle, a common-sense angle. I'm not going to talk to you about, you know, the intricacies of political policy or Senate procedures. I'm trying to keep people awake, you dig? (laughs) I am radio rumble strips uh, for all my OTR truckers out there listening to the show. But one of the things that I've really seen have an adverse impact on the quality of everything in this country is the need to issue a blanket absolute declaration of fault every time something happens in the news. Meaning like, let's say we had this horrible instance where a transgender shooter showed up at a Christian school. Within 30 seconds of that happening, everybody on the left was like, oh, it's the Republicans. It's the NRA. Democrats are so full of crap. And I say that. Why? Because did we have any of the facts when they started screaming that? The answer would be no. We never have the facts. All we have is the agenda they want to push. And in this instance, AOC is making headlines right now over what I would call, you know, a very unfortunate tragedy. Okay, something that in a perfect world wouldn't happen, but something that's a lot more nuanced than I know what was inside the hearts of the people affected by this story. What's the story, you ask? Here we go. So there's a fella who is riding along on the subway yesterday here in New York City who is homeless uh, and works from time to time as a Michael Jackson impersonator breakdancing on the subway for cash. This is totally false. No, it's not, Michael. This is what the gentleman does. Okay. Now, this fellow by the name of Jordan Neely has previously been arrested 42 times. 42 times this guy has been arrested. His most recent arrest was for punching a 67-year-old woman in the face. He should be behind bars. In a perfect world, he would be behind bars. But in New York, where we've let all the criminals run loose, they're now free because of woke bail reforms. Everything woke turns to So here's the story. On Wednesday, okay, Neely is on the subway. He's 30 years old. He's homeless. He's on the F train. Started having a mental episode is how they're characterizing it, which is a very generous way of saying he's screaming at people. He's threatening people. He's swinging at people. They don't feel safe. Okay, here in New York City, we have a real problem with mental illness. We have a real problem with drug abuse, and we have a real problem with lawlessness that nobody wants to address because it's a political liability for the party that caused it. I agree with that. So they'd rather just pretend it's not happening because they're driving around in fancy motorcades. They're not riding the subway. Okay, but there's nobody, there's nobody riding the New York City subway that at least, at least, okay, once a day, if you commute to and from work, at least once a day, you get on the subway 
and you see some type of pantless hobbit swinging a screwdriver or talking to himself or getting in people's face. And you, this could be a problem. It happens every day. The massive amount of lawlessness on our subway. And again, mental illness where people are just made to feel uncomfortable. Imagine you're commuting to work and there's just some guy, okay, with no shoes on. You're there with your kid trying to get to school and some guy starts barking at you like a dog. That happened to me today. I took the subway up from Penn. I literally get on the subway, the one train. I'm going two stops and I got a guy in my face going, woof, 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 like a dog, like a crazy homeless lunatic. Okay, happens every day, and I will just laugh or not acknowledge. But the point is most people usually just stare indifferently until the problem goes away. This happens all the time, by the way. This is not like an exaggeration. I'm telling you this because I care. There's not a political angle to the story. There's just a real-life situation we're dealing with here in New York and in a lot of liberal cities where they've perpetuated lawlessness by having more empathy for the criminal than the victim or the cop. That's Use your common sense. So yesterday, okay, a witness films this encounter where the homeless man is yelling at strap hangers that he doesn't have food or drinks, doesn't care if he won, goes to jail for beating somebody up or attacking somebody, at which point a Marine faced with the reality that this guy is now going to attack innocent women and children, a former U.S. Marine jumps into the fray, takes the guy down to the ground with a chokehold. Sadly, the medical examiner has now ruled that the homeless man's cause of death was compression of neck and the manner constituted a homicide. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Okay, this is not a homicide. Okay, should the guy have died ideally? No, he shouldn't die. Should he be on the street, though, after 42 arrests, one of which includes the assault of a punch in the face to a 67-year-old woman? No. Sometimes, you guys, there's not a side. There's just a tragedy. There's a situation where, yes, a city that's turned its back on the downtrodden, you know, emboldened more lawlessness, has forced its residents into vigilante mode. In a perfect world, subway riders, ex-Marines aren't being forced to spring into action to protect their fellow subway riders. In a perfect world, okay, none of this is going on. Okay, we don't have lunatics walking around dressed as Michael Jackson punching women in the face. The idea that someone gets on a train yesterday where a lunatic dressed as Michael Jackson is threatening to punch women in the face and only takes action because there's racism in his heart? Come on, don't bullshit me. Nobody knows that. But AOC tweets right away, right away, the second it happens, with no regard for the effect she has on society. And that's where this is so disgusting. We live in an era where people's emotions are their facts. If you tell somebody, oh, this guy's racist, killed a guy, you know, if that resonates with you emotionally, you now believe it was racist. You're now mad. You now look at that as the problem instead of the fact that we have all kinds of hobbits and malfeasance wandering around this city attacking people, terrorizing people, making them wildly uncomfortable. Why? Because the city has turned its back on its residents. Okay, but AOC tweets with no regard. Jordan Neely was murdered. But because Jordan was houseless and crying for food in a time when the city is raising rents and stripping services to militarize itself while many in power demonize the poor, the murderer gets protected with passive headlines and no charges. It's disgusting. Except there's one small problem. This happened 
in her city. Oh, wow! A city run by her party. I think he's got a point. Okay, and the point is, AOC, okay, is full of And the people that immediately take the knee-jerk reaction of race. Two of the people that subdued this guy. One of them is a white ex-Marine. The other is a black gentleman. But does AOC even know who's being attacked on the train? The answer would be no. Does she know the color of the 67-year-old woman that was punched in the face? The answer would be no. Of course not. So this idea that these actions can only be influenced by a motivation of racism, in this instance, they're actually protecting black passengers. Are you protecting black passengers? If you're a white supremacist? The answer would be no. If you're some type of class warrior who just hates the poor? The answer would be no. No, because here's a newsflash. If they're riding the subway, they're poor too. But the reason the poor can't get help up, the reason they can't get a real rising tide to lift all boats, is because the Democrats are subsidizing the very poverty that's keeping these people back, held down. The Democrats are opposing the school choice, okay, that would entitle inner city people to a more quality education than the one the Democrats are denying them. Why? Because the Democrats live and die based on the generosity of the teachers union. Please give us money. That's their mantra, okay? The teachers union doesn't want to go back to school. They like drinking wine in their pajamas, rosé all day. So let's push the COVID lockdowns a little further. Why? Please give us money. Because they want cash, okay? No differently during the summer of 2020 when the Democrats were pushing to defund the police. They wanted to defund the police in this city. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Dumbest thing you'll ever hear. Okay, but here are the Democrats, the people like AOC that want you to believe they're looking out for the little guy. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. I mean, dude, you sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. I mean, weapons grade stupid. But do you understand they were pushing that because it was politically expedient? Screw the cops. We don't need them. We'll defund them. That's the language coming from the streets, she said. That's what she said. Would you shut up? I mean, seriously, AOC. You're an idiot. But that's what they said. That's the position they took. They created this atmosphere of lawlessness. And the idea now that a Marine who sprung into action to save people, okay, should now be accused of some type of a racism or some type of a murder. Okay, this Marine was doing a life or death job he shouldn't have to do. Okay, but he's been put into this position of having to protect his fellow passengers because of liberals like AOC that have waged a rhetorical war and in some cases a monetary war on the cops that's allowed lunatics like this maniac who got killed yesterday, sadly, to roam free. So in a situation like the one we're in today, We don't know it was racism. We don't know it was classism. And we don't know that the guy deserved to die. But he did because they've turned this city into the purge. It's like the video game Grand Theft Auto, but in real life, 
which is why in a moment like today, when we're trying to sort it out, we've got liberals protesting all over the city. The best thing any of them could do if they really wanted to help would be to shut the f*** up. Listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. Going to be talking to the legendary Laura Engel in the next break. Also going to be joined by retired NYPD inspector Paul Mora right here in our New York studios where people risk life and limb to be a part of the show. You don't understand how bad New York City is right now under Eric Adams. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. That's pretty much the State of the Union. It's just, it's so bad across the board, and there's such a basic indifference to the quality of life because this is the danger of one-party rule. It's not specific to New York. It's specific to any city, like San Francisco be a good example, where major corporations like Bloomingdale's are fleeing. Excuse me, Nordstrom's left yesterday. Whole Foods had to shut down its flagship operation. Target's got the cosmetics locked up, but the criminals are free. That makes sense. Okay, the problem with a one-party town is the people in power don't actually have to, you know, provide you with any deliverables that you as long as you're just going to vote that way. I mean, one of the craziest things that happened in the summer of 2020 when we felt like we were watching what looked like a full on societal collapse is everybody was justifying it by saying what? Well, you know, a, a riot is the language of the unheard. That's what they were telling you over on CNN as they described the protest as fiery, but mostly peaceful. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. But remember that. Oh, riots, language of the unheard. Fine, great. I, listen, I, I like a Martin Luther King quote as much as anybody. But what they failed to provide you with is the context of who left these people feeling like they were unheard. Okay, which in this instance, in every one of those cities, Minneapolis, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Milwaukee, Detroit, Los Angeles, what did every single one of them have in common? For the better part of the last 60 years, they were all run by Democrats. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. So the point is, yeah, they felt unheard. 
but no one discussed who was ignoring them. That is correct. And that's the bigger problem is, again, in New York right now, I don't doubt people feel unheard. You can't get on a subway right now consistently as a commuter and not encounter at least once a day, probably three, four times a week, just a really uncomfortable situation. You know, this person's barking at me like a dog. As I said earlier, I had that happen this morning. It's common, though. Somebody's kickboxing or arguing with a, you know, arguing with a poster. Someone's screaming in the air at random people. It's sad. It's a, you know, there's a a problem with mental illness in this country. Uh, There's a huge problem with it in these major cities like the one I live in right now. There is this pervasive feeling of lawlessness because people are getting out of jail. Uh, We have a district attorney who famously declared upon getting into office that they weren't going to prosecute certain crimes that they were going to downgrade a lot of violent felonies to misdemeanors. And that's why we're in the position right now where relatives like mine who were going to vacation in New York City this summer have decided to go someplace safer like Baghdad. We'll discuss it with Laura Engel next. Reality. With a bit of insanity, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, back in action. And we are fired up to talk to this next guest. You know the old sitcom, Everybody Loves Raymond? Well, if you're inside the Fox News building, she's like the Raymond of Fox News. Everybody <laughs> loves Fox News reporter Laura Engel, who joins us now in studio for a historic first. Thanks for coming. It is a historic first. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you know, this, radio's where I got my start, so I always love I'm coming in. So very well studio. aware. So very huh? well aware. And the fact that you were able to get past all the toys in this studio and yes. still agree to be on the show. <laughs> I didn't trip over anything. Well, sometimes, a lot of them. Sometimes getting past, I don't even mean uh, physically, I mean emotionally. Sometimes people come <laughs> in and are like, I don't know what's going on here. Flashbacks, yes, there are some flashbacks, especially with this, the Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Yes. Happening here. The Millennium Falcon. Basically, yes. what what you're doing, I was telling you this off the air, is like this is what my childhood bedroom looked like as a kid. And I've kind of brought it here so guests get the sensibility of the show, which is that we're taking the issue seriously. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to distill it in a way where your vitamins are kind of inside your applesauce. Ah, Does that make sense? The Flintstones ones. The, the old school Flintstoners. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, Purple. the news cycle doesn't always cooperate. Right. But what's interesting about this horrible subway story today, and I wanted to start really broad, is that, you know, you were famously covering the real Michael Jackson That's when you were starting right. out in media. How about that? How is, about that? It is crazy. And one of the things that always stuck with me is something you had told me when we first met is that you said you were at the trial and he might have been wearing perfume and not cologne, but that he had a very distinct, expensive, ritzy smell. Do you remember? He did. And, you know, the reason that came up, I was on air. And as mm-hmm. all reporters know, and if you're a viewer and you're watching a host ask a reporter on the scene a question and you're like, oh my gosh, how are they going to know that? What we can do is just quickly deflect, (laughs) go to something different. I don't know the answer to that, but what I can tell you, and I remember in the moment they asked me something, there was no way that I could have known Uh what Michael Jackson was doing that morning. This is right around the pajama time when he didn't show Mm -hmm. up in court, he was late, Mm -hmm. and there was something that there's no way anybody knew. I said, but what I can tell you is that 
he smells really good. And that <laughs> I was on with Shep, and, and I said, you know, that, that's the truth. I sat behind him in the courtroom. I was always on the right side because I wanted to see all the Jacksons uh-huh. and see what was going on and, and kind of gauge his walk when he came in, if he was feeling confident, what he looked like. But whenever he walked by, uh-huh. there was this waft, and I always he always smelled really good. Wow, so, that's wild. Well, yeah. it's good that you had your sense of smell because I'm not sure he did after all the nose jobs. <laughs> I don't know. Now you're just showing off, Laura Oh, well, this this tragedy on the subway. Yeah, and, this and is I, terrible. But I, I preface this because I, I say this to the audience all the time. I feel like we're plagued as a society mm-hmm. by the need to have a side. And certain stories don't always immediately provide you with a side. It doesn't have to be a side. There could right. just be a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And at a 20,000-foot level here on the subways of New York City, we've watched a very aggressive decline in the quality of life where anyone who regularly rides a subway often runs into a situation that they find uncomfortable. Yeah. Whether they're emotionally or physically uncomfortable, it's a commonality now on the subway. And as a rider, you yeah. have to decide while you're standing there on the platform, do I want to get into this train car? Do I want to wait for the next train? I'm mm-hmm. in a hurry. Do yeah. I want to go two down? I don't like the look of that guy. I don't like the way this feels. Mm-hmm. It is. And that's always been a constant. I mean, yes, that's that's a New sure. York thing. Uh, but lately, it is kind of a do or die. People are getting slashed and stabbed and strangled. And it is scary. It's no joke. A hundred percent. And I think if we were to start at the top, with yesterday's situation, uh, again, I don't need a side by the end of this conversation, mm-hmm. but I do believe it happened because there's been an indifference to the quality of life decline on the subway and that people now are forced into vigilante mode in some instances. Uh, but at the very least, people are on edge in a way that I think is more pervasive than it was, say, five years ago. Right. Okay, but what we know at this point is this gentleman was at times a Michael Jackson impersonator. Right had an aggressive incident on the subway yesterday, was taken down by two men, and I, you were telling me off the air, they're considering the idea of a grand jury or possibly charging the Marine? I read that. Yeah, we've been trying to get to the bottom of this. We've been reporting on it all day. We'll have more tonight with a special report and Brett Baer. Uh, but the question is, is the DA, the Manhattan mm-hmm. DA, Alvin Bragg, going to bring charges against this 24-year-old former Marine who we see on cell phone video mm-hmm. taking down this guy, holding him in a chokehold, mm-hmm. and he's holding him down because the other passengers reported he was threatening other passengers. He was throwing garbage at their face. Mm-hmm. He was saying, I don't, you know, I don't have yeah. food. I don't have water. I, I want to die. I don't care. You know, he was just, you know, in a ranting situation and the former Marine takes him down. So mm-hmm. now he's dead mm-hmm. because he died and the ME ruled that it was a homicide, uh-huh. not a murder. It was uh-huh. a homicide. Mm-hmm. They're still working things out. So mm-hmm. now what what are they going to do? And there's protests going on in the city that were yesterday. They're going to be more again today outside of the Manhattan DA's office mm-hmm. of, you know, are they going to charge this guy or yeah. not? Or did, was he just simply trying, not simply, but was mm-hmm. he trying to he took matters into his own hands. But how many times have we been on a I've been on a subway. You have too, I'm sure, where mm-hmm. you're standing there and there's something going on inside your car. You're in a tube. You are trapped. Yes, you and are. There is, and there's not a police officer. If, you, if you're on, you know, there's rarely mm-hmm. one on your car. Yep. And you're standing there going, well, what am I going to do? You know, where's my mace? Where's my, I know. You know, what, what do I got? It's crazy. What, get my but, keys in between my fingers. What am I going to do? And, if something comes my way. And yeah. this man, who we has not been publicly identified, we have his name, we've been trying to call him all day, he lives on Long Island, it appears. Um, but we've been trying to figure out, you know, what is the mindset of the of the man who did this? Was it simply he was trying to protect everyone, hold him down until the police came? That's what we need to find out. Really hard to say. We're talking to Laura Ingle, Fox News reporter. You'll watch her on Special Report with Brett Baer tonight. You know, AOC ran out, of course, in the never-ending quest for a side. And called the guy a murderer. 
which to me is very reckless because we live in an era where people's emotions are their facts. Mm -hmm. And if you arm them with that emotion, it kind of furthers this toxic divide. But there's a reality that you were referencing. It's so common now in this city. I don't know a woman in this city who doesn't walk around with a mace or a Mm -hmm. knuckle or whatever the heck it is. And it shouldn't be that way. You know, that's the part I'm so frustrated by here is we'll get to the intricacies of the story, but at a basic quality of life level, uh, have you ever lived in this in this version of the city? Like we've seen high crime, mm-hmm. but we've never seen an indifference where it was too much of a liability for one party to address. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen an indifference to the crime and specifically to the female victims the way there is now? No. I mean, I've been here, you know, I lived in the city for several years. Uh, I commute every day. I'm on the railroad. I'm on the subway. I'm on the streets. Mm -hmm. I see it all. And it is a different feeling. It really is. And I always tell people that come visit, eyes up. You know, get off your phone. And I'm guilty of it (laughs) because I'm trying to work on my way into the building. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have started carrying stuff with me, you know, the mace and the the knuckles, just because I want to have something. It's not a good feeling. No. It doesn't feel good. No. You want to know what my lifestyle adjustment was? Really quick to add to that. So when you're on the subway and you know your stop is coming up, mm-hmm. something you would always traditionally do is if you're leaning against the doors is you'd turn and face the doors because you're going to be the first guy out. Yeah, no, no. I don't do th- – yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> if I get out of 34th, I'm just taking it two stops to Penn. Right. I know I'm getting – excuse me, to 50th Street. I know I'm getting off in two stops, but I don't turn my back on the riders. No, you can't. But, I mean, imagine that. And right. that's the reality we inhabit right now. And, so- that ha- and that does something to all of us, right? It does something to all of us, and it does something to us when we have friends that are visiting. Mm-hmm. Because you tell them that, and you don't want to scare people, but you want people to be aware because crazy things are happening. Yes, that's the old adage in sports is defense wins championships, Mm -hmm. and it applies on mass transit, (laughs) too. It's unfortunate. It is. Uh, Laura Engel, uh, we'll all be watching tonight. Thank you very much. Yeah, we hope to have some updates tonight. We'll be at the top of the show at 6 p.m. Eastern uh, with Brett Bear. Okay, and if we do get a Cologne report on any of these people, we'd appreciate that as well. Absolutely. (laughs) I I know where to find you now. Now that I've been to the studio, I I know exactly where to find you to bring you those updates. And you know what kind of hard-hitting journalism I'm pursuing on my side of the aisle. (laughs) Thank you. I got it. Great stuff. We're back (laughs) after this. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Going to bring on another guest right now. Probably pound for pound the fastest rising guest here on the Fox News channel. Personally, I don't see the appeal, but I'll give credit where credit's due. The guy's making moves. He is retired NYPD inspector Paul Morrow. Hey, man. How are you? You know, I have to take one shot at you out of the, ga- out of the gate. I get a lot of tough love on the text messages lately. You know, it, it reveals a lot about your character. I mean, that's just a cop's take, but, you know, I can see what it was. You know, well, we'll talk offline. I was going to say, well, since, since you brought up the cop's take, I, I'd like to start reading the cop's take in my cell phone, if you don't mind. Or is that, is that evidence not admissible in this courtroom, no, Your yeah, Honor? Yeah, go ahead. I stand behind it. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, what you would call it. Uh, what I was going to ask you is this. Okay, obviously – the subway, as you know, is bringing us back to, you know, I like a throwback Thursday as much as the next guy, but we've thrown yeah. back to the 80s on the subway, have we not? Yeah, it's depressing, isn't it? All that progress, 
you know, there are two things that tend to be the bellwethers in New York City as a shorthand, mm-hmm. Central Park mm-hmm. and the subways. Yep. And, uh, you know, the subways, I would say, is the one that people sort of understand more viscerally because we all take it. It's lifeblood of the city, et cetera. And I don't care how much progress they claim, this, the subways in this town are a rolling psych ward. Yep. I've never gotten on the subway over about the last year and a half, two years, where and it was already well underway, mm-hmm. where I did not confront somebody who likely would be better off incarcerated for forcible mental treatment. Yep. There's no solution for it, nobody proposing any solution for it. And the idea that well, this is all down to COVID is just inaccurate. Oh, it's so it's yeah, a thousand percent true. I got woofed at uh, today on the one train. I took the one train two stop. A guy barked in my face. Uh, you know, always, yeah, always. It was always. Ni- it was well, nice. Must have been a listener. Yeah, well, I was gonna say it was nice to see Gutfeld again. But uh, no, stop it. <laughs> Anywhere near this stuff. But it's no, but it's crazy because this is the thing. And I, I'll give you another bellwether that really does chart how far we've fallen and how quickly. Do you remember five years ago, the big debate gripping this city on the subway was about manspreading. It was about yeah, yeah, guys yeah. that were taking up too much space in the seats. That's how good life was, that we devoted two months to manspreading. Now we're yeah, actually – true. Yeah, it's think true. about that. We, we were worried about like the – what were the quaint millennial gripes yes. that like nobody of our generation could possibly understand as being significant, but these were considered the microaggressions. Now our – you know, the microaggression is if you get out of it alive. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And it's – it's we're talking to Paul Morrow, retired NYPD inspector. Uh, it's, it's a reality, though, that every one of us who rides the train now finds ourselves at least once a day in – just to call it an uncomfortable situation, not necessarily whether it's violent, whether it's mental illness. Sometimes you don't know which way it's going to go. But what's crazy to me is that it's women that are the overwhelming majority of the victims, and there's really not an outcry. Like, you know – No, no it's not. Yeah. It's, yeah, you're right on it. You never see that type of indifference. And we have a female governor, okay, and she's got nothing to say. You know, Adams is not – you know, Adams is – playing pretend racism with migrant relocation, even though he runs a sanctuary city. And that's the part that I think is so crazy is it's substantively bankrupt. But let me ask you this. This is just a a legal thing. So the coroner, well, the ME yesterday, ruled that in this instance, the person who was the attacker, the mentally ill, however we want to categorize this fellow, okay, died of a a neck compression and ruled it a homicide. Now, right. what is the legal difference between a homicide and a murder, as someone like AOC is alleging? All right. So in the context of the medical examiner, calling it a homicide just means that somebody else caused it other Fair. than the victim. That's really as far as it goes. It's not a charge. Okay. And I actually do wish somebody in the uh, hierarchy here would just at some point just change the nomenclature of the medical examiner's office because we have this discussion every time this occurs. It happened with Eric Garner as well. Mm-hmm. It came back that it was a homicide, and so the newspapers all picked it up and thought that, okay, we're three-quarters of a way to a conviction on, yep. uh, in that case, Officer Pantaleo, um, and which ultimately did not happen and led to all this outcry. But really, it just it's a almost like a medical use of the term homicide. In the criminal context, homicide is a series of charges, uh, and it captures murder, and its various degrees, manslaughter, and um, criminally negligent homicide. So it's a, it's a little grouping of charges, technically, at least under New York penal law. Yeah, all right. Well, 
That's what I wanted to hear. Are we talking to Palmer, a retired NYPD inspector? Because I think certain terms, you know, that are bandied about are misleading terms. I bring this up with fentanyl all the time. People aren't overdosing on fentanyl. They're getting poisoned by it. And yeah, yeah, but I think we need to draw that distinction because the connotation of overdose leaves a lot of parents asleep at the wheel because they go, well, an overdose, that's something a habitual drug user does. You know, someone is doing it all the time. My kid doesn't do it. And that's where I think we would benefit from some type of redefining of the jargon. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But on the go forward here, something we were hearing was that they could, in fact, convene a grand jury and charge somebody like this. But. Oh, man, I feel like at a base level, the overall responsibility for this is Manhattan is the city's elected leadership because they've created a situation where people have to go into vigilante mode. What does the guy do I, I, if you don't I, fight back? That's that, that's exactly right. So, you know, unfortunately, look, we only have one little salient uh, clip of video. You don't see what he was doing beforehand, and that's uh, that's the, the really salient point, right, which is how threatening was he? Now, so you've got to ask yourself a couple of things. If the Marine had not done what he did, what would have happened? Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the, you know, the function or functioning uh, point here is, and we don't know that, obviously, but if he had not taken action, was the indicia at the scene such that this guy was going to really hurt somebody? And before we say, well, you can't know that, and so he shouldn't have done what he did, let's just remember something. He's got 40 arrests, that is nearly, and according to the latest reporting that I saw, The open warrant he has is for felony assault. Now, felony assault in New York State under the New York penal law is extremely serious. It's actually too high uh, in my estimation. It lets too many people off the hook because you can't reach that bar. Mostly you charge misdemeanor assault. To get felony assault, you have to seriously and permanently scar or disfigure somebody. It has to be a permanent injury. So – they charge them, believe me, in the current atmosphere, and nobody's charging that uh, mm-hmm. felony assault because they don't want the felony number. It's, a, yep. it's one of the big seven majors. They track it. Mm-hmm. So for him to have an open warrant on felony assault, he hurt somebody. Yep. And the, you know, the warrant is out, out open now, so it was relatively recently, and he's got this history of arrests. So while the media now is going to go into full swing, and look, Neely does seem to have had mental issues, et cetera. Yep. I didn't want to see the guy die. Nobody no, wants to see him not. die. Everybody would prefer he get someplace that he's going to get treatment. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, in defense of the rest of us who are out here running around the city just trying to mind our own business, a guy with 40 arrests, an open, violent warrant, that has to be a relevant part of the calculus, and we're not hearing it in the media, nope. as to why the Marine did what he did. Yep. And you know, you're just not hearing that. And of course, immediately the thing gets cast in racial terms. Yep. And you know, that's all you're hearing from our elected leader, which is uh, leaders, which mm-hmm. is so beneath. Adrian Adams, the head of the New York City Council, mm-hmm. immediately came out with a disgusting statement that puts the whole thing in racial terms. All over the place on Twitter, et cetera, yep. saying the NYPD is cheering this on. I don't hear anybody from NYPD cheering this on. Nope. Nobody wants to see the guy die, and this is why, because we're led by clowns. Yep. And you get the conditions that lead to something like this, where a guy like this probably should be locked up for mental treatment, mm-hmm. but nobody has the gumption or the wit to figure out a system that can capture that. No, it's just it's so true, man. We just there's never been a weaker class of leadership in the city. Uh, oh you, God, help us! It's, it's crazy. Like we, we we emptied out like you know the bottom of the graduating class. Really, <laughs> so, we went to summer know, school. I don't even know that this is a full on yeah, graduation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Paul Morrow, you remain at the tippy top of the honor roll. Thanks for this, man. All right, buddy. Talk uh, I'll check in offline. There he goes, the legendary Paul Morrow, telling it like it is. Uh, this is a city.
that is run and led by absolute clowns. We'll be on Gutfeld tonight trying to blow off some steam, hold this place together. Either way, you could be a Republican, you could be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.